Again, it's so good to be with you guys. And uh, for those of you that are watching online or over in our family room, thank you for getting up and braving this weather and being a part of uh, this gathering with us. And that goes to everyone here personally in this space. Uh, we are thankful that you're joining us. This is not the easiest of days to get up and to put some, uh, you know, some Sunday best on and get here. Uh, but you're here and we're thankful for it. Uh, you know, we're in a series that we're calling Songs for Life. And really what that is, is um, we're spending the summer going through five selected psalms and praying that those psalms would breathe life, they'd breathe joy, hope, some things that we all probably need right now uh, into our hearts, into our minds uh, during uh, wherever, wherever you are right now, whatever season you're walking through, that there would be this hope and joy and life breathed into your soul through these psalms. And I'm thankful for a couple things this morning. One, I'm obviously thankful for the opportunity to, to, to spend some time with you, open the word with you, to preach. Uh, for, you know, I'm thankful for RC for giving me that opportunity. I'm also thankful for RC for lending me his, uh, his membership to Club Tan this week. Um, that's a joke. I hear you in the family room. Thank you for doing that. Uh, but no, I was just, I'm just messing with you. We, my family and I were um, on vacation uh, this past week. Got some time just to chill out, do a little bit of nothing besides chase my, my three-year-old girl around and let her bury me in the sand and, and you know, keep her from, you know, getting swept away in the ocean and all that kind of stuff. But we had a great time. And while I was there, I got to spend a little bit of time in this psalm, just preparing, praying for this morning uh, and, and just reflecting on where we're going to go. And let me just say this to you up front. Look, I, I'm, I'm excited because this, this, this psalm is already, this word has already done a work on my heart uh, and continues to do so even right now. Uh, you know, one service down, I'm still, it's still doing some things in me and challenging me in different ways. And so I'm going to ask you, if you have a Bible, grab that, turn with me, Psalm 23. And I'm excited about the psalm too, because this has been called, I think it was Spurgeon who called this psalm the pearl of the psalms. This has uh, also been referenced as the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, right? So this is a, it, it's, no, um, it's, it's no wonder why it made our top five uh, for this series. Although it's, you know, probably one of the most tattooed psalms in the Bible, uh, I find it unbelievably timely for the waters that we're trying to navigate uh, as a people right now, as a church, uh, as a congregation here locally at the creek. And, uh, and if I can just be transparent with you about part of the reason I think this is good for us today is I, I don't know about you, but, you know, there are times given kind of everything that's going on, right, from the news that we continue to take in, uh, you know, just the uncertain days that we're living in, these pandemic news that continues to flood our feeds and all that kind of stuff, you know, the, the news of sports cancellations and, uh, you know, and just all the stuff that's just kind of wavering in the wind right now, countless divisions that are going on in our in our culture, and you just read, uh, you know, feeds and things like that. It just breaks your heart for all the, the just the division that's that's present right now. Uh, the reopening plans for school systems, and you know, reopening plans for churches, and it's, it's just, it feels as though if I'm just being, this is you, you know, kind of getting a glimpse into my mind, my heart right now. It kind of feels a little bit like we're in a thick fog. At least it does for me at times. And like all we know and all I have is like this dimly lit path, like one step ahead, right? You can't look down and really see with much clarity about like, what, what does it look like a year from now? Right? I've always been a planner. I've always been one that like, I could look up and I'm like, I, I, I can tell you what someone asked me, what's your five-year plan? I could tell you a pretty good chart of where I would hope to go. Right now, man, I feel like we've got just a, a, a you know, a lantern for our, our feet, right? His word tells us that, right? But it's just like, all we have is this. And in uh, this path, man, uh, that seems foggy, that seems uncertain, that seems uh, 
you know, um, there's a lot of doubt surrounding it. And I don't know if you're in, on the same path with me. You know, maybe you come in here today and you feel like you're lost in that thick, dense fog and you don't know what tomorrow looks like. You know, that fog for you might be fear. That fog for you might be, you know, uncertainty. That fog for you might be many things. Maybe you feel like you're lost in that fog today. Maybe you just stumbled on this feed online or, or, you know, you just pulled in this morning. You don't really know why, but you're here. Here's what I want to ask you to do, all right? Besides just to, to lean into this text with me in a minute, if you're here and you're like, man, I, I really don't know why, but I, I feel lost. I feel lost in, in, in my relationship with the Lord. I feel lost. I have this apathetic kind of heart I have towards the scripture, towards, uh, you know, the body. I feel lost in a lot of things, but I, I need some help. If you want some help right now, I'm going to ask you, you can text the word connect to this number that's going to pop up, uh, 551-9800. You can, you can text connect to that. We want to help, you know, really just shepherd your, your soul just to lead you and, and come alongside of you and, and navigate these waters together because I just I just told you like that I'm in the fog with you bro <laughs> like it is uh it is weird times it feels it's different but here's what I know today the good news is no matter how lost you might feel no matter how uncertain doubtful confused you might be alongside of me we have a shepherd who the scripture says is still in control right he, he still holds it all he knows exactly what's ahead and, uh, and this morning, my goal is to do this. I, I want to lift collectively our eyes off of the circumstances and, and maybe, maybe for a moment, stop trying to peer through the fog and start looking at our shepherd who is holding our hand through it, right? Who is guiding us to green field, fields and, uh, you know, green fields, even maybe through turbulent waters, right? And so... Uh, with that being said, I'm just going to dive in. We're going to kind of bust this psalm up in uh, three different sections. And, uh, and here's kind of my outline, if you kind of want to know where we're going. My outline is this. I want, to tell, I want to help you see how Jesus is our provider, how our shepherd is our provider, our shepherd is our protector, and then finally how our shepherd is present. He's present. All right, so the first one, Psalm 23, 1 through 3. Let me, let me do this. Let me pray before we dive in, okay? Father, we love you. Lord, I do pray that in these next few moments, Lord, you would um, speak to your people, God. Those that are watching online, those that are uh, on our campus over in the family room, Father, I pray that, and even those in this room, God, that you would pierce hearts, open eyes, uh, help us to see the shepherd. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so the first three verses says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, you know and one of the things that I always try to do anytime I'm teaching is to, to develop a context for the passage that we're in, to help people understand like where we are, what's going on, so that what we see can be correctly applied to our lives and not misinterpreted, uh, and, and we, could, we could rightly understand it within its proper context, right? The, the problem with this psalm is we don't know a whole lot about it. All we know is it was written by David. David was also at one point in his life a shepherd boy, right? So when he writes the, this metaphor that the Lord is his shepherd, he gets this. Right? He feels this. He was this. 
And so it carries a little bit greater weight for us. This is out of his personal experience. And that's one of the things I want you to see in here. I would just glance down through there and see how personal this psalm is. Look at the language he uses. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, I shall not want. David himself has learned this about his, his, his Lord. He says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He, he, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So there's a lot of me, I language here. So this is everything that we're going to glean from this came out of David's personal experience with this, which I think is profound because David was a king at one point and he was a shepherd at another. And through his life, he learned these things about his Lord. Right, he learned these things about the shepherd. And one of the things that David wrote was that the Lord is his shepherd. He says, I shall not want. That, that phrase literally means I lack nothing. He says, I lack nothing. We don't know what was going on in his life when the pen hit the paper here, but we do know that there was times in David's life when he was on the run for his life. We know that there were times where there were some turbulent waters around him and some circumstances that would shake many of us, right? But here in this text, David had gotten to a point in his life, whatever was happening in the context, where he was able to say, I lack nothing because God provides. You see, he believed that God was the provider. You know, one of the things that David must have understood as a shepherd is that sheep need one, right? Sheep need a shepherd. Anyone here, sheep, know you need a shepherd? Right? Like, here's the reality. I don't know if you've, uh, you've done a lot of, if you're like a Discovery Channel watching person or, or anything like that. I am. Uh, and one of the things I know about the animal kingdom is that sheep are not high up on the totem pole on its, uh, you know, in its rank. Right? They are ugly creatures. Okay? Weird looking little dudes. And, uh, and, and they are not very intellectually inclined. Okay? We'll say it that way. Uh, sheep stray. Man, they will eat anything. They will, they will go over and make their home in the middle of places it should not be. I was also reading this week a little bit about uh, sheep. And sheep will, uh, you know, just the density of their coat, they will wade into swift waters at times and take on so much water that it literally absorbs in their coat, gets heavy, and will pull them under, and they'll drown in swift water. And so when David says some things in his text about provision from the Lord, there's some things here that we can really understand about. He, he must have understood as he was walking in that role you know uh he says that the the lord leads them to green pastures not the places that they will tend to wander he leads them into green pastures and makes them lie down there that's important why because if we got up and we start walking we're going to wander as ourselves, right and so it's so important as god's people that we too find ourselves in these green pastures that our shepherd is leading us and we lie down there and we spend some time there that we get we make our home there in the green places that God is leading us. But not only that, he leads us beside still waters. Again, why? Because left into our own devices, we will stray, wander off into a swift uh, you know, river and drown in our own efforts, drown in our own leading, drown in our own desires that are sinful. But God leads us beside still waters. He leads us to green pastures and he makes us lie down there so that we have what we need to grow and as we lie down, we are restored and we are refreshed. And, and uh, you know, the language he's using here should have showed, it really shows us two big ways I see in this text that David wants us to see how God is providing for us. One's physically, right? Physically, everything you have is from the Lord. David came to understand this at one point in his life. The air that you breathe right now, the family that you have, the food, the means that you have to buy it, all are from the Lord. Physically, 
we ought to look to God as the one who gives us all that we have for the day. For the day. So that's appropriate because all I really know is today. I can't, I can't tell you next week. I can tell you today. I can tell you right now, and I'm thankful that God has given me air. I'm thankful for the family he's put around me. I'm thankful for my church family. I'm thankful for the food that he's given me, the job he's provided for me. It's all from him. It's the acknowledgement that it's all from him. But not only that, spiritually, listen to me, we are also provided for. And the analogy is true, right? Spiritually, we are fed and we are nourished through God's word. We, we drink living water as believers, as the redeemed in Christ Jesus, and we lay down. Christ, listen, God's people ought to lay down on the security of what Christ has accomplished for us. We are the passive recipients of his grace, and we ought to lay down in that. That's where our security comes from, not getting up trying to work our way to greener pastures, but laying down in the security of what Jesus has accomplished. For by grace you have been saved. And it is not your own doing. It's the free gift of God. You see, when the Lord is our shepherd, we lack nothing, church. We lack nothing because he provides. That means that when we are in need, or listen to me, when we have plenty, God is the one who provides. When, when we have everything that we want or nothing that we need, he provides. He provides. When we are jobless or at the top of the organization, God is the one who provides. He is giving, listen, remember what he said. He said, I shall not want, which means I lack nothing. So whether you are jobless, in your joblessness, you still do not lack. This is exactly where God has you for this season. Or if you are at the top of the organization and you feel like accomplished, that is exactly where he has you in that moment, and it's from his hand. See, when we have great clarity about our next step in life, or maybe you're like me right now and you can't see through the fog of our circumstances, God provides. God provides, and we have to learn to keep in step with him and to look to him this way, right, as the provider. Now, before we get to this next section here, the very next verse, he's going to start talking about some different terrain. He's going to start saying, not green pastures and still waters. Now it's going to be the valley of the shadow of death. Right? So it would appear that that is more dangerous terrain up ahead. But I want to make sure you understand something. Both landscapes are truly deadly. You see, if you don't learn to look to the shepherd in green pastures, you will turn your back on him in the valley. And so maybe right now you say, my life's going pretty good, right? There's no virus in my home. Man, I, I'm not a part of what's going on on social media. I'm not taking to the division of our culture right now. I, I have, my family's provided for. Everything's well. Praise God. Are you still looking to your shepherd? Is he still your provider in good times? Because if he's not in the good, he won't be in the bad. Right? Both are truly deadly. And the reason I think David emphasizes this for us is that, uh, it, that we would never get to a place to be so arrogant as to think that in moments of plenty, or when, uh, you know, when things are going really well in your life and moments of plenty that we have come to that place at our own effort from our own hands, right? Nor will we ever be so naive, right, to believe that in our little, when we don't have anything, we're struggling, that God has somehow forgotten you. See, that's why he's emphasizing right here. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have exactly what I need. Whether it's a lot or a little, it's from him. And so I have exactly what I need, I lack nothing because my shepherd is the provider. 
When God is our shepherd, we lack nothing. He's the one who provides it. But he's not just a provider. He's also a protector. Psalm 23, verse 4 says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Underline that. We'll come back to it. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff comforts me. You know, this week, um, while we were at the beach, we, uh, we spent a lot of time, I told you, just not really doing anything. We, we planned as we went down there, we're going to go down, find a place on the beach, kind of alone, and we're just going to pop, pop a squat there and just stay there, right, for the day. That's what that's our plan was. And we did that pretty well. Uh, and one of the things that we thought we'd do is, we, you know, we have a three-year-old, so to keep her uh, occupied, we got sand toys, and we bought this little unicorn float. Okay, uh, because she's obsessed with unicorns and princesses and mermaids. That's her thing right now. And so about her, this little unicorn float had a rope on the front of it. And the point was that we could put her in the float so that she could kind of enjoy the ocean, learn to love it in the still waters there. Right. And our hope was that we'd get down there and there wouldn't be a whole lot of waves and stuff like that. Well, the problem was when we got there, the still water was up at the, the sandbar. Okay, and the, the path to the sandbar was kind of just littered with white capping waves, right? So our plan wasn't super awesome because, uh, you know, it was nice out, it was pretty, all great weather, all that, but for some reason the ocean was mad, right? And so it was like just rolling waves and all that kind of stuff. So we put her in the float, it was like, maybe it'll be okay, maybe it'll just ride on top of it. She's getting pounded with waves. I mean, seaweed hanging out of her hair, stuff like that. She's about to literally get capsized in this float and she's like had enough. So Lottie's screaming, like, I want to go back. Like, I don't want to be in the ocean. I'm trying to help her understand. Baby, if we just get to the sandbar, I promise you, you're going to love this little unicorn, right? Like, it's amazing when we get to the still water. But what I learned was that if I got in front of her, right, if I held onto the rope real tight to my back and I just kind of just trudged my way through the waves, she's having a blast. Like, my, I don't know where she learned it, some cartoon or something. She's back here yelling, Calabunga, dude. Like she's like Becca Gellin, she thinks she's doing something amazing. These like waves, like I'm talking about this like uh, post-hurricane waves are just like rolling past her. They're smacking me in the face. Like I'm taking the full force of these waves on the chest, taking her to still waters and she's back here protected from the whole thing. Listen, I want you to understand, this is I think what exactly what David became to under, uh, got to a place where he understood this benefit in walking with the Lord, that the Lord is our protector. He's our protector. And I want to make sure you get it. it. These are not like the still waters of the Bahamas that David's walking through. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. See, in the same way I was pulling Lottie through the waves, we have one that is right there in the middle of it with us. And David learned that, that his Lord, the shepherd, was the protector. You know, the shepherd had to be. It says that he was armed with a rod in one hand and a staff in the other. And the shepherd would, would be prepared at times to lead and protect. Right, The staff was to, has a hook on the end of it to grab a sheep and pull it back on the, the, the path. And the rod was there to protect, to beat any predators away, any like robbers that would hide themselves in the cleft of the rocks on the way to wherever the, the shepherd was leading. The point was that the shepherd was willing and ready at any time to provide protection for the sheep. 
He was ready to, to fight off and even sacrifice personally like I was for Lottie getting pounded in the chest with these waves on the way to greener pastures. This is exactly what our Lord affords to his own. Not just provision, but also protection. And here's the question I anticipate that many of you are wrestling with right now. You're saying, what about me? Or, what about me right now? Like, wh- like, who's dragging me through these waves? Because it feels a lot like I'm just getting peppered in the mouth with wave after wave right now. I've got this cancer report I'm walking through and the treatment afterwards. I've got this test result. I've got this job loss. I've got this family that is at turmoil. I've got a marriage that's crippled and breaking at at the seams. Who's pulling me through those waves? Where's the rod of protection when it comes to my life? I anticipate many of you, some of you, either you're watching online over the family or you're in this room. And something, man, has got you shook right now. And maybe for you, there's some doubt. Maybe you you don't see this shepherd as a protector in your life. Brother, sister, I want you to look at me real quick because I want you to understand something. When it comes to God's protection, his methods are a little bit different than maybe what we see playing out in our culture right now. He is not about the business of quarantine and vaccination. God will not hide you from the from the waves of this world. But he gives us not just a bubble of protection, but a boldness in the middle of what we're walking through. Why? What does David say there? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, we're not given, again, a specific reference for what David must have been thinking or, or wrestling with in the middle of writing this psalm, but we do know that his gaze was fixed on his shepherd, and so therefore he saw himself protected, even though there was fear present, there was doubt, there was uncertainties, there were probably real tears, real pain, yet still he would fear no evil, for his shepherd was his protector. You know, I read this week um, that Albert Einstein's wife was once asked about her husband's uh, theory of relativity. They said, do you understand this? And she said back to him, no, I don't. But I trust my husband. And if he says it's true, you can too. Listen to me. I don't know where you're at or what you're dealing with. I'm not presuming that it's easy or it's, you know, I'm not trying to gloss over this in any way. I'm really trying to be sensitive to that because I know we're in a, like I said at the beginning, we're in a crazy time. What I do know is I trust the Lord Jesus and I know him. And I trust that if you do too, then you can look to him as not only your provider, but your protector. He's not only that though, guys, he's, He's not just a provider. He's not just a protector. He's also present. And I would also say, I I really struggled in in writing this and and not bringing that piece back to both other of those points, right? Because the reason he is a provider for us is because he is present, right? And the reason he is the protector is because no matter what you're walking through, you can say, for you are with me. So your marriage is busted, for you are with me. So you've got this cancer report, Lord, you are with me in this. So it's, he's a protector because he's present, amen? But 
But listen to what David says. He goes on and he tells us three ways, I believe, that uh, if we would get our minds on this, that we would see this, his presence and how it changes our perception of what is going on maybe in your life right now. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there he is again. The Lord is present with him in verses 5 and 6. The same way he was in the valley, he's present with him right here. In three ways I want you to see that he's, I believe David is showing us God's presence is real for us. One is he's before us. The second piece will be he's behind us. And then there's this third piece of he goes beyond us. And I want to help you see what, what I'm talking about. Before us, he says this. He says, uh, God is before us. You go before me in the presence of my enemies and you are preparing this table, Lord. So this imagery kind of changes. It's not just the Lord is my shepherd. Now the Lord is the host of a banquet meal. It's, it's this picture we should get of uh, after a battle, there's this uh, victory banquet happening and the, the, the enemies of God, which uh, Ephesians tells us are not flesh and blood. Many of you might not, right now might be looking at the news outlets and things like that. And you maybe forgot that. Right, your enemy is not flesh and blood, but it is the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a, a real spiritual war going on. And I pray God's people would not uh, close our eyes to that and, and, and forget that and engage in things that we ought to be uh, allowing the Bible to inform. So there's this banquet table going on and our enemies are bound as captives of war. And look what he says, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So the enemies are there. And David says, God is the focus. You see, the focus is not the menu at the table, guys. The focus is the master of that feast. It's the master of that table, the host who has invited us to dine with him in his presence. You see, David is caught up, even though, listen, this comes right off the hills. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, so I'm still in the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So you're still in that rough time. You're still in that uncertain place. Yet David is caught up just gazing at the shepherd. He's caught up with his focus fixed on the master. Can you see the security and comfort that David gets there? He's not concerned with the enemies. He's not concerned with the shadows. He's not concerned with the valley. Why? Because he is in the presence of the Lord. So the Lord goes before us in his presence. He also comes behind us in his presence. Let me show you how he does that. David says, your goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life. You know, I think it was Spurgeon who said, basically anything good that's ever quoted in a sermon came from Charles Spurgeon. But Spurgeon uh, one time said that God's goodness and mercy were God's foot soldiers. Basically keeping his children on the right path. Keeping his children on the on the right path. His goodness is the graces of God that we have. Every time we open his word and we're reminded that, that uh, he is our shepherd, we're reminded uh, as we sing songs corporately together that Jesus' name is beautiful, we're reminded of what we're going after, right? So his goodness is that part of us, uh, is that grace of God that keeps us on the path, right? It keeps us running hard after the heart of the Lord. It keeps us on mission. It keeps us directed towards the cross. But his mercy is there when we fall. 
It's the part that catches us when we fall and puts us back on that path. So it's his goodness and his mercy that, that's following us. So he's preparing this table. He's inviting us to this table. He's invited us, ushered us into his presence. His goodness and mercy is helping us get there, but it doesn't stop there. His presence goes beyond this life. David, there at the end of the, of the passage, of the end of Psalm 23, says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful promise for God's people that his presence doesn't end this side of heaven, but it will truly be a part of us, with us. We'll be caught up in it for eternity. We have the hope and assurance of a future glorified dwelling with Christ. And I see, I think David had this understood. Through probably a lot of tears, a lot of pain, a lot of trial, he, this is what he was caught up with. You see, the point David is making, church, I want to make sure you get this, is, is covering. Is that God's children are covered with God's presence. God's children are covered with God's presence. He is covering his children with his presence. He's providing for us through his presence. He is protecting us in his presence. He is comforting us with his presence. You see, you cannot lead, you cannot comfort, you cannot provide, and you cannot protect someone you are not present with. But listen, we serve one who is. He is right there wherever you are. I'm reminded of Psalm 139. says, where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. You see that? You led me to the uttermost parts of the sea, but it's good. Your right hand shall hold me, it says. Listen, you might be running from him right now. You might be rebelling from him right now, but he is covering his children. You might be hurting right now. He's near. So I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what's going on in your heart, mind right now, but I want you to understand that you have a shepherd who is a provider. He's a protector. And because he is present, he can do both of those things. He can do both of those things. But the question remains, who is your shepherd? John 10, 11, Jesus himself uh, says, I am that good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You see, Jesus is the good shepherd that this psalm has been pointing to all along. Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm 23. Jesus, the good shepherd, is the one who provides. He's the one who protects, and he is the one who is present. Jesus provides forgiveness for his people. He provides forgiveness for his people by laying his own life down on the cross. He's provided that. He's afforded that to his own. But listen, it gets better. He's also the protector of his people, protecting us from the, from the wrath of God that was coming against our sin. And every one of us had it coming. Scripture says that all of us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of that sin was death. But praise be to God by his great grace that was moved towards me before the foundations of the world. Right? He was the protector of that incoming wave of wrath. And he is present. He's present with all those who believe now and forevermore. See, Jesus is the good shepherd. 
He's the good shepherd that the psalm was pointing to. He's the shepherd in, in John 10. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And Peter, later on, when the scripture will call, uh, will call the Lord the chief shepherd. And Hebrews will get to this place where he even says that the shepherd is the great shepherd. But whether you're in this room or you're online or you're in the family room, the question you've got to deal with is who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? You see, it's not enough just to sit here and hear my words or David's words about the shepherd. You've got to deal with who your shepherd is. And the reality is something is leading you. Something is guiding you. Something's informing you. Something is, is uh, taking you by the hand somewhere. And the question is, where is that? Where is that? Because the only place we will get, the only, the only person that can lead us to still waters and green pastures is the Lord. Every other land will leave you hungry. Every other water will be too swift. Every other uh, terrain will be so empty when you arrive. But it is only, it's only when you take the hand of the good shepherd and you look to him. You say, listen, church, I want to make sure you get this. This psalm is simply a script for the lost. This never becomes a song for life until you are redeemed. So where are you right now? Do you know that shepherd? Do you, do you know him? Have you trusted him? Maybe you're in here, and, and, I, and I, like I said, I opened the door earlier. Uh, maybe you're like me a lot right now, and, and you're a little caught up in the uncertainty and the fog of your circumstances and what's going on in your world right now. And maybe for you, your, your walk with the Lord's grown a little apathetic. Maybe, you're, maybe your devotion unto him has, has grown a little dim. Maybe you've stopped trusting that he was still in control. I want to remind you of Einstein's wife, what she said was brilliant. I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I trust, trust my husband. So if he says it's true, you can too. Do you trust the shepherd? But maybe you're here today and you've been trusting something else. You've had the hand of something else leading you. Maybe it's just your own leadership. You've been trying to be your own shepherd. Maybe for you, uh, the psalm reads in your heart, the Lord is the shepherd I do not want. Because I know if he's my shepherd, he's going to lead me to some places. He's going to put his hand on some things I'm not ready to, to let go of. I promise if you would bow your knee to him, the still water, the green pasture is yours. It's by faith alone. And so you can do this right now. You can text Jesus to the number that's coming up, I believe it's the same one, 551-9800, that's not gonna save you, okay? Well, we're gonna begin a conversation with you, walking with you, helping you process what it means to truly take the hand of that good shepherd and give your life unto him. All right, so let me pray for you. Father, we love you. God, I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful for uh, what you've done in this time. Lord, I do pray, God, that you would, right now, Father, you would call the sheep to your flock. God, I pray that if there's some in the room that have just strayed, God, you'd call them back. Your goodness and mercy would follow them back. God, I pray that if there's someone in the room here watching online over in the family room, God, that maybe right now they are just being tossed by the waves that are around. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help them to see you as the provider, the protector, and the one that's in the middle of that storm with them. Lord, would you save? Would you move in our, in our midst? Would you move in this church? Would you be honored? It's your name we pray. Amen.